Hello, welcome to Back to Base, the official podcast of SAS Who Dares Wins. I'm Andrea McLean and I'm in the car on my way to record this new episode of SAS Who Dares Wins Back to Base. I'll be leading discussions with my team of celebrity guests, former contestants and DSs on the show that puts the work in teamwork. Together, oh, hold on, just need to turn here. Together, we'll work through the most extreme moments of every episode, the physical and mental tolls of SAS training, and how they can be found in everyday life, too. This week, I'm joined by one of the funniest women on television at the moment, whether she's sucking people into tenancy agreements on staff let's flats or sucking blood in what we do in the shadows. I'm really excited to talk to Natasha Dimitriou. A man on the ground, SAS Who Dares Wins Dr. Sandeep Chohan, will give us the once over on the state of the recruits, plus Mark, aka Civil War, aka our favourite drag queen turned SAS recruit, he will also be here. And we're going to be getting a dispatch from DS Ollie Ollerton to give us even more of an idea of the feeling in the camp this week. With so many amazing guests, it's really lucky I don't have to go and pick them all up. So let's huddle together and get back to base. We're going to be shrinking people back physically and mentally. Back together as a unit! Ah! Your opponent is the enemy. So Natasha joins us now. Natasha, tell us about the first time you ever saw SAS and what went through your mind. Well, I was, I think I was in my bedroom, probably pretending to tidy up and um, just Channel 4 was on in the background. And I was like, it was one of those shows that you sort of, it comes on and you're like, oh, don't pay attention. And then you just realise that you've been stood there with your mouth open, like holding whatever it is you're supposed to be sorting out for however long the show lasts. And then it ends and you're like, what was I doing? And it's so emotional. I mean, it is a show that is about everything to do with being a human, right? Yeah. Like in this day and age, strength, like mind over matter, spirit, teamwork, friendship. I mean, yeah, it's... All it's, of it. it. All of it. It's such a It's such a funny show because it's like... We've had all the formats of reality shows, right? You know, Big Brother, baking, you know, making clothes. And it's like, this one is like, you would never expect that this would work, but of course works so well. I think yeah. the, the skill of it as well is that it looks like it's all about physicality and it's completely not. No, it's about your mind. It's about, you know, mind. I mean, it's, yeah, that's where I think that the real struggles, I would have the real struggle because I was watching it thinking... I bet in like 10 years time, people will be paying a lot of money to do holidays like this. <laughs> Where they're like, because we're so, screens have taken over, iPhones have taken over and people just want to get back to nature and lift a log. Yeah. And um, and then, I, and then yeah, I was just, I was like that, that to me appeals, like being told in the same way I like to do a yoga class. I like being told what to do. I like to do like a hit class. I like being shouted at and made to feel really small because that's when I dig deep and like physically can exert myself the best. But it's the the mind games and the like your brain going, you should be giving up. You want to give up. You're freezing cold. Your hands are cut to shreds. Yeah. It's interesting that you say carry a log because obviously <laughs> that is uh, very much a part of uh, of this week's episode. Yes. Um, this week's episode is all about teamwork. And, and unity and, and working together. Uh, the DS is 
forced people to say who they thought was the weakest in their team, which is hugely demoralized. I mean, none of us would like that. And then it uh, fell to Kirsty, who was uh, number 11, and Ollie, who's number 16. They then became team leaders. And we were told that this was about accepting your weaknesses and then trying to get your your team on board. What do you think is the, the purpose of, sort of publicly shaming someone into, right, your team have now voted that you are the weakest person and we are going to make you turn that around. Do you think there's a there's a, there's a a benefit to that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's so classic. It's like you see it all the time, don't you, when it's like someone gets told that they have a flaw or a weakness and then you just hear them straight after going, it doesn't bother me, I don't care. It's not my, I don't mind. I'm actually fine with that. I really don't even care about that. And you're like, you care more than more than anyone than any other human yeah, but has I, ever cared I do it myself you know when I'm like oh you know I know I'm it's that weird thing that humans do don't they where they're like I've accepted that I'm I'm okay with the weaknesses I've told myself I've gotten accepted but if someone came up to me and went yeah. you're I don't know what something you're you're really um you're really violent. I'd be like, am I? I'm not, am I? You know, like, I wouldn't... I'll punch you in the head for saying that. I know you're saying violent. Yeah, yeah. but it's like, but I'm not okay with that. You know, it's like, it's a weird thing we do. So when these people are there being like, I'm strong, I can do this. I can do what the SAS do. I'm great. And then they're like, you're weak. I mean, yeah. And then to turn around and have to fight, I mean, that's such a mind game. Yeah, it is. The, the, The recruits were put... I think, through their hardest challenge yet in this episode, starting off with a surf immersion, where, oh my goodness, I mean, where do we begin? You know, I don't even like running into the sea normally if it's a little bit too cold, but to be made to form a a human chain and then sit down in it with the waves crashing face into your face. And they were made uh, stripped down to to their undershirts and they were told to lie in a locking arms for 20 minutes. I mean... I was just thinking about when I go on when I was watching that when I've been on holiday and you you go for a little swim and then you're like oh I'm a bit tired out I'm just going to sit where the sort of I'm getting the coolness of the water but the sun is if if I get if the wave comes in and splashes me in the face that's game over the day's ruined I'm up and I'm back sitting down on my lilo complaining and being like oh I've got loads of salt water in my face I mean and they're just they have to take it and sit there and be joined to other people and dragged down I. I just, the th- when I was watching it, I was like, in what scenario does an SAS person have to do this? We just don't know. You're like, I, I, I hate to think of the situations in the world that are calling 11 people to link arms or however many it was and sit and get splashed in the face t- by salt water for 20 minutes. I mean, it sounds like some sort of detox thing now I say it. Like, do you know, it could be the next thing for January next year. Yeah. And everyone will be doing it. Yeah. There'll be ads on the telly. Tightens the skin. Or something. <laughs> no, I mean, um, I'm sure, obviously, there is something useful in that because it is forcing them to uh, dig in to something that is hugely uncomfortable, mm. repeatedly, compoundingly uncomfortable. Well, it's water torture, isn't it? That's what they said. Um, Christy handled it really well. Ollie, not so well. No, I know. I was like, when he got up, I was like, what are you doing? Come on. I mean, we're obviously watching it in a lovely, comfortable, edited way. And we're not there for the full 20 minutes with them. But I was, it felt like, don't d- d- do not do that. That's what they think you're going to do. And now you've done it. And um, yeah, I was glad he sat back down and did not hand over his number. 
They also had to take a 100-kilogram log 4K uphill to the top of a peak. Now it was the 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 Duncan Peak, which is Duncan. the highest. Yeah, I <laughs> Never... thought it was really funny. Duncan Peak. Duncan Peak. <laughs> Good Sounds latest, like the name of a politician. Latest reality star. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the 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 physicality of of that was difficult enough. The weather again was completely against them. It mm-hmm. looked awful. Obviously, Ollie didn't come out of that challenge too well because he dithered. He mm. he didn't quite manage to pull himself together, mm-hmm. and he he although his team won. Yeah. Um, do you think that was the right outcome? Because uh, Kirsty seemed to be she seemed to be leading from the from the front. I know she wasn't carrying the log, but leading from the front, they, they her team just couldn't quite pull themselves together. It was one of those things on TV where you're like, oh, but they shouldn't have won because they didn't work the best, but somehow they did. And you did feel I did feel a bit like sad that she'd come last because I actually thought. She managed to keep together, didn't give up. Her team went going, help me, I'm, you know, falling apart. And that's obviously to me what it seemed like the the whole point of the challenge was, is to be a good leader and keep the team together and keep their morale up. But, you know, I guess, you know, he got there first. So I'm always someone for an underdog. And I think when it comes to <laughs> SAS matters, underdogs are not maybe the people you should be rooting for. Oh, I don't know, actually. Oh, really? I, I really think we do. And I think that because we all see a little bit of ourselves in someone who's struggling. Yeah, And true. we do, especially us Brits, we we love an un- underdog. We don't like someone who just kind of bounces in, looking no. like a Marvel character and sprints up a hill. We want someone to struggle and then make it. I cried for like six months thinking about Gareth Southgate. <laughs> I was so, my heart, well, I was like, I want him to do something where he comes back and he wins. Yeah, I'm, I'm too much for an underdog. Um, yeah, no. Not a bad thing. It's not, <laughs> now, Mark did really well. He actually, I think, became the like a sub leader. He stayed incredibly positive, but he clearly was struggling. It, it said in the in in the program, I think it was the, the narrator who was saying, that, oh, because he was the tallest, he ended up taking most most of the weight, and then seemed to hugely struggle on the way down. Were you shocked when he VW'd? Yes. Yeah, so it's happened very very quickly, it and did, also didn't it? I was obsessed with him because when I first watched the show, I thought he was Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye. <laughs> And so I was like, oh, this is celebrity? Oh, it doesn't say celebrity. Or maybe Jonathan Van Ness has just decided to, like, throw himself in. No, yeah, it was really sad because he seemed to be doing really well. You know, he was leading from the back. You know, he was taking a lot of the weight. And I was thinking that's kind of like I wanted Ollie to come down and reorder them and give him a break and be like, hang on, he's taking his right at the back. I'm taller than a lot of my friends, you know, when we're carrying you know, packages that I've ordered online upstairs. Always you. Yeah. Always, always you bearing me. the brunt. I always take the weight. When I was in a sketch group, when it came to props and and stupid wigs, I had the heaviest bag it's of wigs. nice to have a guest on who can empathise. <laughs> yeah. So clearly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, although doing a month at the Edinburgh Festival is very similar to this show. That's <laughs> that's what I was... A lot of it was like, oh, yeah, I've, I've been there. I've done that. Um, <laughs> well, it's about endurance. Yes, exactly. Endurance and not um, killing the people that you're working with. That's always a, a bonus. Yeah. I think. So I think. so yeah, no, I thought he did amazingly. And it was really sad that he kind of just he just clearly his body was like that's what that's the sort of moment in this show that you're like, oh wow, these are real people and they have real bodies and they have real breaking points and they are that's it. He cannot go. He's ill. Like he's got to leave. And Jerome did the same. 
And Jerome, uh, obviously, went in all his, his interviews, he would say he's the leader, he's going to take charge. And actually, we saw him become more and more tired and disheartened as the whole process went on. I was really surprised when he VW'd. So was I. I was like, you've done it. You've come down. Have a sleep. Think yeah. about it. But it was just like, yeah, done it. All right, better go. Like, it just seemed really like, ah, oh, no, I've just got, I forgot. I left some shopping it and I didn't pick it up, paid for it. I've got to go. It was really like, <laughs> And then they were like, "We, you've made a great decision. I was like, no, he hasn't. He's just carried that log and got down. And he's like, oh, I forgot. Yeah, I meant to um, not do this show, so I'm going to go. So the DS has brought Kirsty in for questioning. That's number 11. Mm. To talk to her about how she felt about failure, because obviously her team, they only came second. They didn't come last. They, they came second. And I actually thought their line of questioning was really different to how I thought it was I thought they were going to have a go at her mm, but they mm. didn't they were actually quite supportive and asking her what what she felt she's learned from this experience well I feel like that was because she her team did stay together it wasn't a complete shambles it wasn't like you know she really led them badly I think that's when they'd have gone in on her I think that she um she kept her team together and they got to the end and they weren't complaining or screaming or shouting and they weren't having to go take over one of your teammates is too tall you know like they were really I think they were probably proud of her. And I think I was thinking about her and like when she did her little talking head and she like got welled up, I was like, it's not easy being a woman in the world and especially a woman, she works in the business industry, you know, like I'm sure she has had to really harden her shell. Like I'm sure, you know, not every woman's had to do that, but a lot of women I know have. And I was just so, I was like, felt very like mm. kindred to her and was like, you know, wow, well done, you're a woman with, like, aesthetically what someone would look at as, like, just feminine, too feminine, long hair, you know, looks, mm. takes pride in the way she looks. But she's out there, like, on a hill carrying the heaviest Christmas tree anyone's ever had. <laughs> and she's going to... It was a rubbish tree. The yeah. branches were non-existent. Very similar to the tree my dad got us this year, weirdly. Um, Do you think she she let herself down a little bit with Murder Ball? Because there, there was a bit in there we heard one of the guys shouting, number 11 is fighting her own team. And she seemed to forget that the whole point of it was working together. Well, that sort of was a sad point because it did feel like it's the, you know, the, what we saw started off with her being like, I'm out for myself. I've I've got this hard exterior that I need to break down and... You know, that's what they were pointing out with her. And then it felt like with the log challenge, she was, she, you know, came together and did her best. And, we, and with the the weird salt bath um, torture situation, yeah. she sort of kept her team going. Yeah. And then it did feel like it just all went all out the window. Apart. And she just, I mean, I've, I've had, you know, I'm sure we've all had that where you're so manic and exhausted that you're like, what have I done? I've just like destroyed my own you know my own situation or whatever so no I thought that um that was a bit a bit sad and very relatable that you just go you go I mean come on three challenges like mm. most shows operate on a sort of mini challenge and a big challenge yeah three giant and also murderable that looked to me like the most extreme form of bulldog and I was it really reminded me of when I was doing drama at university and you know working doing bulldog with a lot of ambitious sort of out of work actors was um, quite similar. I'm sure. Slightly cleaner. <laughs> yeah. But very similar. Oh, no, no, dirtier. It was oh, much really? Dirtier, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily with mud, just in tactics. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And then there was the culling. Yeah. So Kirsty didn't make the cut. I mean, it's sad, but I guess they have to whittle them down. And that's the thing with all these shows, you know, you, you 
you relate to one of the contestants, you look at them and you think, wow, you're doing an amazing job. And then it's like, I mean, look, famously, I know a lot about the SAS and what's required, but I don't know enough to know what it what they're looking for what it takes and clearly yeah. i mean you can't you can't have someone that goes and accidentally shoots one of your own team in the foot you know like that if that happened in it's re- not a requirement no, no it's not a requirement um for me i felt really sad when number 2 bethany went oh she's been awesome i thought that and i was really shocked because it it seemed like i don't know i felt like she didn't give up she was she was clearly suffering physically like so exhausted so broken and I also think doing something with your sister to yeah you know we all know that sisters are can be very toxic you know in in their relationships I know a lot of my friends who have sisters who they absolutely love and absolutely hate at the same time and I was like these two have somehow managed to be so healthy and strong in their relationship they can enter this show which is pushing you to your absolute limit yeah I thought she was a real competitor and it was really sad that she just it was and it's so it's so brutal I mean imagine on X Factor if they were just like goodbye and they just have to you know they don't get to do their please or like thank you so much this has changed my life to just like literally hand in your number and walk away off you go brutal and what have you made about the mole what do you think of the whole premise I mean it's is very very good television and but I feel sorry for them because I think as you said you need a strong mind more than anything you know obviously you need to be fit but you need a strong mind and stuff like that just gets under your skin and just is further just messing up everything you know everything you trust everything you thought you knew yeah you know then you start being paranoid what did I say to him you know like I've done that where I've spoken to you know people that are very high up in, in in my industry or whatever and I've like made jokes about going to the toilet or whatever you know just and thinking that they're and then you realize oh oh my god they're the head of that channel what was I thinking and you go, you're like no did you have to make that joke um and so yeah I was just like that you think all of the recruits now will be thinking that what did I say to him well it's just when you're exhausted and you're pushed to your limit and you're away from home and all these things that they're dealing with and then you're dealing with 18 mile an hour gale force winds or something insane, mm-hmm. you know, everything gets chipped away and all you have left is your, like, constitution and then you're like, oh, by the way, that guy that you thought was this guy is not and he's judging you the whole time. And to be judged is, I think, one of the things as humans we struggle with the most. And, yeah, it was it was wild and I feel sorry for them. <laughs> Throughout this series, we've been getting checkups from Dr. Sundeep, who's been providing fascinating updates on the physical and mental states of the recruits. After being involved in some intense conversations with the SAS team this week, uh, we spoke to him about how important comradeship in the camp is. Hi, Andrea. How are you? I'm great. I'm really good. Now, we're obviously halfway through the recruits' time now. So you've obviously caught up with them on a number of occasions. What are the changes that you start to notice from this point? Are they more tired mentally, physically? Is this the sort of pivot point where some of them will sink and some of them will rise? It's an interesting time for them at the moment because what the viewers don't quite appreciate is that it's not broken down to days. It is one long day. You know, there is not a fixed point that they start or there's not a fixed point that they finish. So what we've been doing over the past few days has been just grinding them down. And, you know, every day seems like a week when you're out there. The weather's been pretty appalling as well. So 
that in combination with your kind of irregular meals, a lack of sleep is really starting to have a physiological and psychological impact on them. Now, obviously, this week's episode was all about comradeship and unity and teamwork. So why do you think the teamwork is so important as, as an individual for pushing your body and your mind past the point where you really want to give up, but actually you're capable of more? What it is, it's about the shared experience. You know, it's people that are going through the same thing at the same time. And it's about using um, each other as a crux to push yourself forward and give yourself that drive. And I think when you go out to these environments, they're very lonely places. And unfortunately, um, there isn't a huge amount of positive uh, morale boosting rapport that you're going to get back from the DS. It's really literally going to be from each other that you get anything. So I think for these guys, it's going to be themselves that they rely on the most. And the fact that they're going through this experience as a team and the fact that they are actually starting to work together, it's starting to show. There's um, There's been some incredibly emotional and powerful conversations that are had during the course of the show, obviously within the recruits themselves, but with between you and the recruits and also the DSs as well. I think... The, the conversation that you had with Ollie was the most powerful one that we've seen so far. And you yourself said that there's no physical reason why he can't carry on. And you said to him, look, this is your opportunity to, to change things around. You know, the DSs are going to strip things back. They're going to be tough on you. That's how it's supposed to be. But he, he couldn't quite get over that, could he? He has a very difficult history, and I think this is something he had carried around for decades. And, you know, part of being part of this process was to uh, kind of almost open up and, you know, say what had happened and go through the, and kind of go through that process and open up to others. And, you know, it wasn't, it was, it was almost, I wouldn't say it was part of his healing process. And I think, unfortunately, when he did open up, he did also relive some of the memories and that brought back some of the anxieties. What he went through is horrific. And I think, um, unfortunately, it's something that a lot of men do go through and, and women. And it's something that's not really discussed widely. I actually think he was one of the bravest people that we've seen in this batch of recruits because it's very easy to be strong if you're feeling strong. And it's very easy to be brave if you're feeling brave. But to pick yourself up when you have relived such horrible, horrible experiences such as he did when he was speaking to you and to go back out there and force yourself to try and be a leader when you're not naturally feeling like you have leadership tendencies are, is actually one of the bravest things that you can do. And I, and I think that we talk a lot about um, you know leadership and, and bravery and, and what have you on SAS, but being being physically strong and managing to sort of th through brute strength push yourself through is actually only one of the qualities that I'd imagine you you as as leaders are looking for. And I actually think that Ollie going through what he did, hopefully him and others like him should feel incredibly proud of themselves for how far they've pushed themselves. I, I always said to him, I said, you know, male sexual violence is one of the elephants in the room. Nobody likes to talk about it. And that's what the truth is, you know. There isn't a huge amount of resources dedicated to it. But if you look at what happens with young men, you know, if they go through these experiences and nobody is standing up and talking about it, then where are they going to go? The route they're going to go is through aggression and anger and violence and drugs, right? And yeah. alcoholism. 
that's what happens. And then people wonder why the male death rate is so high. You know, for, through suicide, it's a leading cause of death for men in his age group, right? And I think guys like him standing up and speaking out is a very powerful movement. You know, and I think he's done a brilliant job and I've yeah. got a lot of respect for him. I agree. Sandeep, thank you so much for joining us again. Can't wait to speak to you next week. So we're about to meet someone who I am so excited to hear about your experience of taking part in SAS Who Does Wins. We're joined by Mark. Hi there. Hello. I was Van Ness. <laughs> <laughs> I was devastated when you VW'd. So was I. It was I I was really like I was I knew I would go at the interrogation because I wouldn't be able to hold the stress positions because of previous injuries. And I was like, but that's where my head was set. Yeah. And then the moment of going through the like going through that last bit of that log carry. Yeah. And what was going around, like just going around, I could, I couldn't, I physically couldn't move. My couldn't body, do it anymore. I was being pushed by two of the recruits and pulled by two of the recruits. And at one point, they were carrying me, and all I had in the back of my head was like, and earlier on that day, because it was all about teamwork. He'd been hammering home, like, don't be the weak link. Like, if you know you're dragging your team down, like, don't make the rest of them suffer. Like, you need to like look in, like, look inwards and know when the mm. time. And I just remember. That much, like that going round and round in my head and being like, they're all I'm dragging them all back because I can't physically move. So, mm. now, if, if anyone's listening as well, if you're thinking, who's Mark? Because obviously everyone's referred to you by numbers on on the show. What was your number? <laughs> number seven. Lucky number number seven. seven. And also spends half your time dressed in drag. I do indeed. Okay, so that's just to clarify uh, <laughs> who who we're talking to now. Do you regret VWing? I do a little bit. Yeah. I like. I, I think it's impossible not to regret VWing, um, but I'm very, very happy with everything that I did and everything I achieved. And it was just it, it, I couldn't go any further. And I don't think until and I'm sure like until you're in that situation. And I always knew that my body would be the first thing to go. Like mentally, I was like, I know I can get through this, but. It was my only option in my head. It was my only option in that moment. You you said in your interviews, obviously, that they show throughout the programme, that you did it because your dad was in the armed forces. Was he in the SAS itself? Yeah, for 20 years. <gasps> okay. So wow. did he give you some kind of insight into what it would be like and what were his thoughts? He was... So my dad, <laughs> my dad has always been really reticent to engage with anything that's like SAS branded. He's just been like... It's a it's a thing, and uh, when I told him I was auditioning for the show, he was just a bit like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." Uh, and then when I was actually like, "I'm on, I'm on, I'm going," he was just like, "Okay, this is this is a thing," and he was just like, "Whatever." You, he gave me two pieces of advice. He was just like, "Be a pack donkey, not a racehorse. Like, don't think you always have to be at the front." And he was saying like, in his selection, quite often he'd end up falling behind on some of the marches and stuff. He'd end up falling twenty, thirty meters behind the pack, but he'd always finish. And that's what mattered more than like being at the front. Uh, and the other thing, he was just like, whatever they tell you to do, just do it. Like, and it's that simple. It's that simple. Don't like take a breath and then do it. Like, did that come naturally to you? Yeah, I think it did. In that, in, in I, I just had his voice in my head a lot of the time, just being like, whenever we were in the, uh, whenever we were in the jeeps going like going to whatever it was that we were going to do, there was be all these moments where you stop and you're just a bit like. We don't have to do this. Like, like yeah. we are voluntarily putting ourselves in this. Like, at any point, we can back out. 
Um, and we were just gonna, we were just kind of all in the jeeps, and you'd just be like, right, we're off to do the thing. Like whatever it is, we're all gonna do it. Like I'm not gonna quit. Like you're not gonna quit. Obviously, I did quit eventually, but <laughs> <laughs> but but due to extreme circumstances. Exactly. But yeah. you just like I, whatever it is. See, for me, it was doing the doing the tasks was, was I didn't care how bad it was. That was fantastic. The waiting around. I, I I wonder whether you felt something similar. Like when you're in the dormitories and you don't know when they're coming for you, and you know you have to relax. You know you have to try and get some sleep, but. They can come. They can come. They can burst in that door any time, day or night. And I, I, I didn't. I think I got my sleeping bag out once because I was just like, if they burst in and they tell us to be on the parade square, I have to pack my sleeping bag up, and that's going to add like time for me to get out in the parade square. And and if I do that, well, I should probably sleep in my boots because like that's one extra thing I don't have to do. And it just builds up and builds up and builds up and. Eventually, you're just eventually you break. You're exhausted, <laughs> yeah. and also the weather is a huge part because you do you only have two sets of clothes, so you yeah. have to keep one dry, and then you've got your your wet clothes and your mm-hmm. dry clothes. Did did you just always end up wearing damp clothes? Yes, you you get very used to being damp, and we had two wood burners for twenty five people. And I'm sure you had you you had a very the similar smell. Oh, I the mean, smell. the smell of drying boots and stinky oh, clothes. Wow! It just and the what like you'd hang stuff up, and if stuff slipped and hit the wood burner, so many. I I had one sock that was just singed completely. <gasps> Several people like lost one version of something of their clothing because it fell on and completely melted. And they wouldn't give you replacements for it. So if somebody left, were you raiding their bags like rats? It was gone. Their really? stuff was gone, and we would ra- we would raid their their bunk chest. We were just like, "What have they got? What have they got? Like, what can we scavenge?" But like, most of their clothes and stuff was just was gone. This episode is all about comradeship, teamwork, and and what have you. Um, obviously, you work really, really well performing to a crowd. You both do. But how well do you think that you work in terms of teamwork if you're put together with someone that you don't necessarily like? Because that's a big part of, of obviously, uh, SAS Who Dares Wins. You obviously have a partner that you do enjoy working with. How would you cope with someone that you didn't? It's really hard, isn't it? Because often I think when you don't get on with someone, it's because you're seeing in them stuff you don't like about yourself or stuff that you're scared that you you are like. Well, often, quite often when I dislike someone, it's because I'm like, they have all the things that I'm petrified I have in myself. So it's really like looking at yourself in a mirror. So I think it's it's good to try not to dislike people and just go, hang on, what is it I don't like about them? Because really everyone, I think the attitude I try and have is that, everyone's just trying their best and everyone is messed up in different ways. Mm. And if you have, I think that's what I've learned from whatever my life experience has been is that like we all have our story and, you know, everyone is really just is trying to get that bit of happiness. <laughs> well, this is being very philosophical. I'm just but, thinking you're being super nice. What if someone's just really annoying? If someone's really annoying, what would I do? I would find it very hard and I'd go very, very quiet. and. Um, then maybe after like an hour, I just swear and shout mm. really and then be so embarrassed and like humiliated that I let let myself down like that. <laughs> Are you going to change anything about yourself since doing SAS? Did, did it change you in any way? I think it gave me a real sense of confidence in myself. Like I've always been quite a confident person. Um, I think you have to be to do drag. Um, but I think... Just being like, 
actually I can do a lot more than I think than I thought I could do and especially in the physical challenges where like I a friend of mine said something to me before I went on they were just like you're used to being usually the most fit person in the room like you're probably not going to be anywhere near the nearest fittest person in this room they're going to be a lot more like how do you feel about that and I was just like I don't know like it's going to be really interesting to benchmark myself against people and I was really really happy with like how I performed I said I was like I did really well on that show until I didn't (laughs) (laughs) will you change any of your act Oh, there's going to be a lot more camouflage in Sybil's wardrobe from now on. Amazing. <laughs> definitely, definitely more camouflage. And also probably a lot tighter corsets now that I know I can put with a lot more pain. <laughs> well, there you go. Now, one thing I have to ask you, you're not the first person to mention how attractive Foxy is. It, it has been commented on before, not necessarily on the programme, but, you know, it has been commented yep. on the outside. You're, I think, one of the first recruits to comment directly to him how attractive have you found him? Well, it was uh, after one of the tasks and we'd all kind of been sat down and, and it was back on the beach where um, we'd done the, the sickener. Um, so when we arrived, we'd already been a bit like, oh God, what's happening now? Um, but we'd gone through the whole task and it was fine. And then they did the whole like, grab your bargains, go, like get to the top. And we were running to the top and I, thanks to my long legs, I got to the top of the hill first. And there was Ollie, Billy and uh, Foxy stood at the top. And there was a line of like transport. And Foxy just went, fill it up from the back. And just as I ran past, I was like, always do stuff. Like he just had that moment of like, what? <laughs> And I just remembered like chuckling to myself. I was like, ha ha ha, I got one over on you. <laughs> That's, um, it is a very, I was wondering if there is any, I mean, I know you're exhausted, but if there is any time for sexual tension because everyone is so attractive and strong. No, like once you've, once you've been to the toilet next to someone while right. having a full blown conversation, eye to eye while farting and like fully just letting loose down below, like... All sexual attraction to any of your oppos is gone. Right, um, okay. Yeah, it's... Can I ask, were your toilets um, inside or were they long drops? Long outside? drops. Yeah. Wasn't that long of a drop That's either. That's what we had. Yeah, it wasn't. And we kept asking for them to be emptied. And <gasps> it was like you could barely sit down on the plank of wood without... Oh, by the time they were finally emptied. Mother have mercy. So this is the stuff that you don't see and it's just, it all adds up and adds up to the like mental anguish that you're going through on the show. But it's it's part of it. And That's it's one like, of the plus sides of it being cold. Imagine if you've been hot oh and... Oh God. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was... Because yeah. you weren't, as I say, you weren't allowed to go anywhere on your own. So you'd have to be like, I need to go to the toilet. Does anyone need to go to the toilet? So you were guaranteed to be sat next to someone go into the toilet at any one time. I would just hope that because of the lack of food that everyone was a little bit constipated and not there wasn't that much fibre going on. That It was definitely an issue in, in some people's cases. Um, I think one person didn't go for five days before they finally, finally managed to go, but... You know, Some people I, didn't have it. That's what I love about this podcast. We get to the bottom of things. <laughs> Quite literally, yeah. in this case. <laughs> in this episode, we had a big shake-up to the DS, with Mole Jay finally revealing himself as a covert agent for Ant and the Gang. When Jay joined us on Back to Base... Well, he was kind enough to give us some SAS advice for everyday situations. And now we've got another of our favourite agony uncles to share theirs. So I want to say hello to Ollie. Hi, Ollie. How's my favourite celebrity? Oh, you're a nice man. How are you? I'm good. I'm allowed to call you Ollie. I don't have to call you staff or anything like that, do I? Now we're out. You can call me whatever you want, Andrea. 
Brilliant. Brace yourself, Sheila. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously we've been talking about episode three and it's been pretty brutal. Um, I think for me, the most brutal part was uh, sending the poor recruits in the pouring rain, carrying a hundred kilogram log, 4K up a mountain. Uh, How was that from your perspective? How do you think the guys did? Well, I tell you what. From my perspective, it, it was it was quite. I didn't put enough layers on that day, and I got quite cold waiting for them. Oh, bless so, you! <laughs> no, um, that was really tough, really, really tough. So, um, uh, yeah, the weather. You know, that's that's when you know. And Ant said it on on the last series. You know, um, Scotland has has prevailed itself, or something like that. Yes. And that was when the weather really, really sort of opened up and it was hideous as soon as you got on that hill it was just like sideways rain um it was just it was just miserable obviously we're we're almost at the sort of halfway point uh in terms of the uh the episodes that are going out but this is i think the pivot point this is where half the recruits are going to sink and half of them are going to swim when when the the series sort of carries on and obviously we're going to move on into uh, episode four and what have you do you think that the right people were rising to the top or were you surprised by who managed to pull through and then who gave up and i'm not looking at you mark (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is really hard to to. It's, it's so hard to judge. I mean, one of the one of the uh, most popular questions we get is, "Can you tell who's going to um, do well from the outset?" And the, the answer to that is, it's easy to assume, but no, you can never tell. You know, if someone's particularly out of shape, then um, you know, then, then you know they're not going to stick the uh, stick the course, but. Um, at the end of the day, this course, forget the fitness side of things. You know, we're looking, it's the mental robustness, it's the, it's the resilience we're looking for. And you can't, you can't tell that from, from physical or, or from, you know, your perception of them on day one. Um, when you say the right people, I mean, I wouldn't say there's any right people. I mean, you either make the course or you don't. You know, we don't sort of have favorites or anything like that. You know, we respect everyone that turns up on that course. Um, but you know, the selection process, be it, albeit SAS who dares wins channel four, all the selection process for the special forces that we went through, it does a job and it delivers the, the right people for the job and people that are fit for purpose to operate, um, in some of the most harshest circumstances or environments all over the world. Well, you have got some big shoes to fill now, Ollie, because obviously I have, I've done the podcast already with Jay. He did really well in this bit. He sounds nervous. He sounds nervous. Um, this is this is called Dear DS, and um, this could be a role that you've never played before. But think of yourself as a black-clad agony uncle. Okay, <laughs> so we're going to ask you some some questions now. Uh, the first one is. Dear DS, I've got a bit of a lone wolf in my team at work. He's very good at his job, but he's not one for joining in. Any tips? Yeah, I think with that, right, a lone wolf. I mean, what you've got to uh, first appreciate, do you, does, he need to, does he need to be a team player to do the job that he's doing? Is he doing the, the – it sounds like it said at the start of that statement that he's, he's doing – he's very good at his job. So that would say to me that he doesn't need to be a team player to do his job. I mean, what you're trying to do is you're trying to push him out of his comfort zone into a zone that doesn't contribute to his job anyway. So really, for me, 
it wouldn't be the fact, you know, what's the point of making him be a team player? You know, um, so I would really just leave him where he is and um, let him do let him do the job to the best of his ability. Um, at the end of the day, he's there to do his job, not for a, not on a social basis. We're all nodding. That was wow. good advice. Yeah. Very good advice. The, the, the shoes are filled. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I could really do with a DS in my life. Give me some advice. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. What, what do you What do you think, Natasha? Um, I I would never have gone down that you know, that advice avenue, but I think he's completely right. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, I'm someone who's so like, oh, you've got to please everyone and everyone's got to like you and it's got to be a happy family. But actually, no, he said he's good at his job. So leave him alone. Yeah, Just let him get on with it. This isn't SAS. He doesn't need to be a team player. Totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Let him get on with it. He's having a lovely time. Okay, job done. Big tick. Well done, Ollie. <laughs> Okay, second question. Uh, Dear DS, taking a cue from this week's episode in which recruits had to pick their weakest team member, who is the weakest member of the DSs? Oh, wow. (laughs) It's gone very quiet. Hello? Hello? Yeah, well, listen, you know, I am going to be quite predictable here. A lot of times people say, you know, I've been asked questions about the weakest link, et cetera, et cetera. When you... you, uh, actually work with anyone that has gone through special forces selection. Um, it's not to say that everybody's the same person because each, but there's no, no one person that's the, that is the same as you. However, everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. Each one, each member of the DS has their strengths and weaknesses. So there's no way that we have a weak member within the team um, at all. Everyone contributes in different ways and there's different values and strengths and weaknesses. So, sorry, it, does, it just doesn't happen. We've got an awesome team on that show, and that's the reason that show is the best thing on TV. I would love to have seen Ant's response if I tried to say that when he asked me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to give an answer then? Who you think? Oh, I'm, I'm not giving an answer at all. I'm just going to say Jay, because I bunked with him. So, <laughs> And I... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> leave yeah. it there. I was I was gone by the time he was a DS, so I'm okay. casting him as the weakest DS. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, final question. Um, as Jay just mentioned, uh, his dream meal after getting out of SES was pizza and red wine. What would yours be, Ollie? Mine would either be. Uh, can I have two choices? Yeah, go on then. My two choices, and then my favourite meals would be either a Sunday roast, or it doesn't have to be on a Sunday. Yeah. Or I would have fish and chips Ooh, with I curry like sauce. Ooh, classic Ooh. British menu. I like gravy. Yeah, yeah. What were your what fish were and chips and gravy? No curry sauce. What was were it? your two meals that you chose? That you, oh, which you would you straight in and had lasagna straight away. Wow! And I made my own. <gasps> My own lasagna. And what about yours? I know I'm not hosting the show, but... Really <laughs> no, I like, no, no one ever asked me. That's really great. Oh, gosh, what would mine be? Yeah, Sunday roast. Yeah, that's a good Cause one. Because especially, especially when you've been so cold, mm. there's something lovely about, you know, on a normal Sunday when you've not been beasted and people shouting at you, <laughs> but when you come in from the cold, there's nothing nicer than having a nice Sunday roast and a, maybe a glass of red wine. Yeah. I think I've, I've never been on the show and will never go on the show, but... Please, can I have a Sunday roast, sir? <laughs> Staff? Anything with more than 200 calories, yeah. I'll be happy. Yeah. Oh, what about pudding? Ollie? Oh, sticky toffee pudding. Oh. I'm right in there with you. Oh. 100%. Yeah. The more refined sugar, the better. 100%. Yes. Oh, we're all agreed. <laughs> Brilliant. Ollie, thank you so much for that. I think you were great. I think Jay is going to be quaking in his boots now. 
that you've done very Uh, well. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. So now it's that heartbreaking moment where we have to break up our team. You can watch the next episode of SAS next Sunday on Channel 4 and on demand on all four. The next Back to Base will be available immediately afterwards. So thank you so much to all my guests today, Natasha, Mark, Sandeep and Ollie. I'll see you next week. Back to Base is hosted by me, Andrew McLean. Back to Base is a Little Dot Studios production for Channel 4, brought to you by Mitsubishi. The show is produced by Annie Hughes, Joe Greenway, Harold McShiel and Jake Cunningham. And the show is edited by Steph Watts and Mike Munson. 